with Harry Broadhurst and Tony Asteri. I think that'll be about enough of that there. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. August 4th. Holy shit, August already. Wow, anyways. Okay, you are listening to the Raw Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. I am, of course, Harry Broadhurst. My usual colleague, Tony Acero, is unavailable this evening, so I have a special guest sitting in with me. It's actually one of my coworkers, Jimmy Christopher. Welcome back into the Raw Reaction, sir. Harry, thank you for having me, man. You know that you can order the Raw or the WWE Network for only nine ninety nine. I heard that a couple times tonight. I'm really excited about it. Here this evening, and you know what it is. Actually, we have a few moments to kill before we get into the heart of the show. Let's go ahead and touch on this right now. Here, the network numbers finally came out. They officially released the network numbers because they had the business meeting on Friday, and apparently the numbers that they released were something in the neighborhood of about seven hundred thousand bots. Vince has stated publicly before that in order for the WWE to be a in order for the WWE network to be a financial success, they need purchases of the network subscriptions in, in excess of one million. Do you think tonight was their chance their attempt at trying to get any of the people that might still be on the fence to possibly sway them over into getting the WWE network? Or do you think it's just a case of, hey, we're gonna shove this down your throat until we reach our target goal? I'll tell you what, if that was their goal, I'm not entirely sure they went about it the right way. Just because for all of us that already do have the network, we only heard about it about 30 times tonight. Hello? Harry? Can you hear me? Hello? A little bit of technical difficulties here, folks. Give us a quick second. We'll be right back right after this. Jimmy Christopher, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, what the hell? Harry! 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 Check one, two. Harry. I apologize about that, ladies and gentlemen. We had a little bit of technical difficulties here. Let me see one real quick second here. It's a good thing that this happened inside of the first five. Jimmy Christopher, can you hear me? Harry Broaders, can you hear me? I can hear you now, actually. Okay, I wonder if I was there before. Maybe it was just you that couldn't hear me. Uh, I didn't hear anything, so I don't know what was going on there. But now that we've got the technical difficulties 
put aside there. Did you happen to hear the question that I asked before we had the issues at hand? I uh, did, and I was, I'm going to answer it now. Um, the way I look at it is I was not impressed by the way they did it because they seemed to plug the network about every five to ten minutes as often as they could. Not that it's not important to market your product, but for those of us that already have it, we don't need to hear about it 30 times during the show. We want to hear about it two times. We already know about it. For all the people that don't have it, plug its numbers one time, say how much it costs, get on with the show. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is I think they're running the risk of alienating the people that are taking the time away from the network that have already purchased it to watch Raw, to watch everything that they uh, that they have available on the network. The people, These are also the same people that they're targeting as their demographic for the episodes of Raw and SmackDown and whatever other weekly TV shows that they have going on, NXT, which is exclusive to the network, as well as Superstars. But the Raw and SmackDown demographic specifically, you're targeting these same people there, and you're running the risk of alienating your customers by constantly filling a network that they already have. Right. It's like trying to sell me a Popsicle when I've got a box of them in the freezer. It's like it's like that ice cream truck that drives up and down your street during the summer, and you see them and you go, oh, I can buy your product for $3 a Popsicle, or I could go to my freezer and get one that I've already bought a box of them for $12. It's, it's just annoying at this point, and I really wish that they would stop. Did we lose you again? Harry. Okay, I'm still here. Uh, I think you might be having issues with your signal, dude. All right, let me check it out then. Hold on. <laughs> a bit of a technical difficulty to start here to the raw reaction. But, fans, we do have a jam-packed show for you tonight. Um, unfortunately, Jimmy had to drop real quick, but he will be right back. And we are going to get into a bunch of stuff here this evening on the reaction. We'll get more into the issues with the network as well, because what we'll probably end up doing is we'll probably continue this discussion a little bit later on in the show once we do the issue, the part where we usually have our first commercial break. But let's go ahead and talk about Raw here, everybody, and let's talk about the opening segment and the authority in the ring. And this is where the beginning of all the shilling happens. And that's kind of what we touched on here at the start of the show here with everything that Triple H said about plugging all the various matches for SummerSlam and mentioning every single time that he plugged a match for SummerSlam that you could get it for nine ninety nine on the WWE Network. And he drove home that point over and over and over and over again. But two important things to come out of the opening segment were the fact that they did announce the Beat the Clock Challenge that would happen a little bit later on in the evening between... Dean Ambrose taking on Alberto Del Rio and Seth Rollins taking on Rob Van Dam. We'll get more into those matches a little bit later. But the other thing that we had in the opening segment that Triple H announced was that Roman Reigns, once he interrupted Triple H, would be going one-on-one with Kane in Last Man Standing. So the question I pose to you, Jimmy Christopher, as you're back on the air now, is do you think it was a mistake to give away a Last Man Standing? Yes, I can. Do you think it was a mistake to give away a Last Man Standing match on free TV this close to a pay-per-view special event? Not two weeks away. I don't think it's a waste or anything of the sort. My problem with the match was putting it up against Kane again, and I am just... I think I talk for a lot of people when I say that I just don't believe Kane as the authority is kind of muscle anymore. He needs to... He needs a win. He needs a big win against someone like Reigns, 
against someone like Ambrose to cut him off one time, get a big win, do it on his own. That way it's more believable. Like, oh, hey, it is the demon. But as we saw tonight, that may not need to happen anymore as he, you know, not to spoil it for anybody, but turned in his mask to the authority in about a five-second segment that nobody saw if you, you know, blinked. Well, JBL blinked. I mean, the, Cole started to talk about Jericho and Harper when Kane handed in his mask, and JBL cut him off like, wait a minute, what are you doing? We just saw Kane hand in his mask, and you're trying to immediately go into this? Yeah, so it was JBL a very weird uh, transition. Uh, two questions in regards to the match itself. One, what did you think of the match quality? And two, as a referee, how pissed off are you at Mike Coyote, Mike Kyoto? Man, Mike Kyoto, what were you doing? Uh, I'm no one to tell a professional how to do his job, but at that point, or even the commentators were screaming at the top of their lungs, Kyoto, Kane is on his back. I wasn't sure if maybe this was the beginning of an angle where they were going to start using a, uh, a new angle for the referee and maybe do the corporate referee thing, even though they've already done that with Armstrong. And then, as we saw, he counted Kane down about two seconds later after he hit him with the spear. It was just, once again, a very weird transition. I don't know if maybe Kyoto was waiting for something else to happen. Maybe they told him they were going to do one thing, and they didn't, and it threw him off. I'm just... But the the point is, you cannot, as a referee, you cannot just stand there especially during a last man standing, as a man is on his back and not at least begin to count, even if you're expecting something else. He's on his back, do the count. If he gets up, you know, you can stop. If he doesn't, just continue the count. If something's supposed to happen, it will. And it just, it threw off, I thought, the chemistry of the ending and really the whole big finale of the match. The end was just awful after that because it almost seemed to stop. You don't want the commentators being the ones to tell you that something is going wrong because then everybody stops and they go, oh no, something's going wrong and they lose their focus on the match instead of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's like you just said there when we had when you had Michael Cole who he of himself barely been able to call a move cleanly in about two years yelling at the referee to count because it's a last man standing match. Obviously, something went horribly wrong. We were discussing this while we were getting the setup to the show together and stuff because obviously, yes. you know, we we get a little bit of a format together here, and both of us messaging each other were like, "What the hell are you doing?" I was still very confused. Uh, um, how about the match itself here? Do you do you think it establishes Reigns as? somebody that Randy Orton needs to be aware or needs to be aware of, or do you think it's more of a case of just kind of Reigns doing what Reigns has been doing here and not really sending any kind of a message to Orton? I don't think it sends any sort of message, only because it seems like they're just recycling the same matches every week. It's either Kane versus Ambrose or Kane versus Reigns, and then Reigns versus Orton and Ambrose versus Orton. And they're not changing anything up. They're not putting him up against people they haven't seen before. This must have been the tenth time I've seen Reigns put down Kane, and people expect that now. You got to do something new. You got to put in, you know, somebody like Cesaro. You got to put in somebody like like Big Show, even just just something different. Because unfortunately, Kane turned into more of a jobber 
over the past six months. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's as spry as he used to be or as dominant as he used to be. The guy can still go for 43 years of age. And I just feel like recently they're not using him to his full potential. And then him hanging up the mask tonight, it just kind of puts a nail in the coffin in that argument. And now it's like, oh, well, Roman Reigns just beat somebody that turned in his mask. It's like he beat a quitter. Oh, that doesn't do anything for him. That doesn't make him look strong. Do you think it's possible that Kane's contract has actually expired and this is the last we'll see of him, or do you think this is going to symbolize the return of the more corporate Kane that we've seen before? I would imagine it would be more of the corporate Kane. I just I can't see him just walking away from the business after being in it for over 20 years. It's something that I look at and I say, well, you know, he's there, but I don't expect him to go away. He turns in the mask. That could just be a symbol of the demon going back into its shell or its cave or however you interpret it. And I'm hoping that we see more of his corporate guy come out, you know, let him get in a few angles and storylines now and then. But he doesn't have to be this mainstay anymore. He doesn't have to be that guy that has to go out there every week at 43 years of age and keep up with these 20-year-olds. It's just it's nice, to, I think, for him to be able to hang things up on a note that says, I'm gone from the ring but not from the business. And I think he'll earn that respect from people that don't already have it for him. Well, the thing is, is you mentioned that it's, it's difficult for him at his advanced age. And I think you mentioned that he was something along the lines of 43 and stuff. And the thing is, is it's been a while since we've had an on-screen, on-screen general manager authority. Do you think it's at all possible that with the authority obviously not able to be at every show because of whatever business meetings or whatever have you, whatever excuse they decide to create for television purposes, do you think it's possible that we might see the new general manager being corporate king? With the absence and or firing of Vicky Guerrero, I think it's incredibly possible that he could take a general manager position and maybe even that would turn him face after letting down the authority, so to speak, as the demon and as their muscle. He comes back and he decides to turn over a new leaf and he shows them what's best for business as the general manager and just something not Austin-esque, but almost sort of that I will fight the power because I have power and I know how to use it because he's been in that corporate situation. He's been the one to decide matches and schedule matches, so to speak, on Raw before. So why not? I think that would be an excellent position for him. Don't make him go away. Don't make him disappear. I think that would just bring up further questions. All right, I got a quick question for you. What's your beverage of choice tonight? Oh, beverage of choice. I'd have to go back in the house and find out. After I found out that my phone was being a piece of crap, I decided to walk out on the porch. And let me tell you, Harry, it is a beautiful night outside. But if I had to pick a beverage of choice, uh, I'd have to go with a nice uh, root beer that I probably got inside. All right, well, then let's open the can, shall we? Excellent, excellent. All right, so this is something that both of us talked about while we were going over the formatting here, and it's something that I wanted to raise the point of here on the reaction here. Do you think it's at all possible that tonight's show was too vulgar? Now, we have a lot of people that clamor for the return to an era where this kind of stuff was routine on the broadcasts here. But with them trying to appeal to a younger generation, and one of their key sponsors in the WWE right now being Mattel, who makes their action figures, which also appeals to a younger demographic. Now, they're obviously adult collectors as well. I myself am one of them. But 
it's they're generally trying to appeal to a younger demographic with the action figures and stuff. Do you think that tonight's show was the kind of show that could push fans away from the product due to the sheer amount of vulgarity that that took place in the show between all of the uh, all of the bitches that made air and then all of the uh, stuff that we had within the uh, the context of the hype video for Cena and Lesnar? Terry, did you just plug your action figure collection on this show? I did. You should be ashamed of yourself. I want you to reach in your wallet, pull out your man card, and I want you to pass it to the front of the class. I'm pretty sure that's that's Shane Taylor's gimmick. Anyway. As as far as the vulgarity of the show, I was very disappointed. I mean, I don't mind so much, you know, a little bit of cussing here and there, but Lesnar's whole thing was probably what topped it off for me. I don't mind Brie Bella doing the whole, oh, Steffi, you're a bitch, and whatever. You know, that's, that's, that's her problem. And that's, that's kind of something you could see women doing in an argument. That's fine. But when, then you got Lesnar, who's dropping F-bombs on the show, and I'm just like, come on now. Whoa, wait a minute, pull it back. You know, that's the mother of all cuss words. You know, just throw that out there on national TV on a G-rated show or PG-13 or whatever we're doing nowadays. I don't keep up with that nonsense. I don't have time for that. fact of the matter is, it was, I think, uncalled for. I think that's something that PR should look at and go, yeah, we should probably never have him do that again. Because the first thing any child that is sitting there with their John Cena action figure, and even you here, probably turn to their parents and go, Mommy, what does this mean? And that is just going to cause a backlash that the WWE does not need, especially after they've taken an economic backlash from the network. That's not what they need. They don't need PR problems as well as economic problems. Are you kidding me? And then they got this guy, and I I loved what Cena said about him coming around every once in a while and fighting a match, and that's just it. That was great. And I think that hopefully, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I am advocating for Cena at this point. I want him to win the match only because I don't want to see Lesnar hold it because Lesnar's not a real wrestler. Lesnar is a wannabe MMA fighter turned wrestler and then turned back MMA wrestler again. Nobody really knows what his agenda is. He came back and beat the street. That's great. But nobody remembers that Lesnar did that. Everyone remembers that Paul Heyman was the one in 21-1. Do you think it's possible that they're having a lot of this focus on Lesnar now due to the fact that the Paul Heyman DVD is due out in stores tomorrow? No, I think that Paul Heyman does a great job at what he does, and everyone either hates him or loves him. There's no, there's no middle ground with Paul Heyman. It's either you love him or you hate him. And when he goes out there, you know he's going to say something smart, you know he's going to say something interesting, and he makes you want to watch more. He, wants, he makes you want more. And every time he does a promo, I want more. I sit there and I go, man, that was great. Give me more. Do you find yourself wanting to get the new Paul Heyman DVD that does come out? Oh, I don't know. I have to. I mean, obviously, that's one of the last things on my mind recently. I mean, obviously, you would imagine that the documentary will eventually end up part of the network as well as most of the footage being there. But to the DVD collectors among us, still myself included, there. Uh, a documentary like this and a, and a set of matches with Heyman's greatest work as either a manager or as a color commentator back when he was doing the WWF run during the invasion there would be something that would be a definite must-add to our our collections. Um, in regards to what you said about Lesnar and Cena there, I think they crossed the line in regards to letting Lesnar speak for himself, and I think tonight's one of the 
one of the reasons that we proved why Paul Heyman is the voice of Brock Lesnar, because you cannot trust Lesnar with a live microphone if he's saying this kind of stuff in a in a uh, in a video package that's put together beforehand in a pre-tape. I think is the official phrasing for it. So obviously Lesnar showed tonight why Heyman does most of his live mic work. But at the same time, there I think there is a significant portion of the WWE universe that actually does want to see what would happen, what kind of flux the WWE would be thrown into if Brock Lesnar walks out of SummerSlam with the title. I just I don't think that it's good for the WWE right now because Brock Lesnar does not come around enough. If he's willing to make a full, dedicated stay to the WWE for, say, three or six months, say he drops the title at Rumble if he wins it in two weeks, that's fine. Because Rumble, that's a six-month stay. It's long time for him because, I'll let you know, Harry, you don't want a champion that doesn't show up. No, I've been there. I've seen it. It's a bad thing. You don't... With Lesnar, he's kind of like that that pretty blue moon you see in the sky every once in a while where it happens, you know, once every month or once every two months. You see it, and it's cool, and then it goes away again, and you have to wait for it to come back. You don't want a champion like that. That's why Daniel Bryan doesn't have the championship anymore because he's injured, he's not able to appear. You need your champion that's going to appear and make the fans want to watch him. Your champion is supposed to be your top rating guy. He's the one that everyone wants to see. And honestly, if he's going to stay, they're not doing it so that the fans want to watch Lesnar. They want to hear Paul Heyman. That's the reason. This guy is gold. And that's the biggest reason in my mind they would put the title on Lesnar, just to see how far Paul Heyman could take it. All right, it's time, this particular moment here, it's time for us to get in a couple quick plugs here, and then as well as we'll get to quick hits, but let's first get over, let's, <clears throat> let's first get through the plugs here real quick. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. In addition, we are heard over the airwaves through blogtalkradio.com. The official website for Powerhouse Radio and Blog Talk Radio is blogtalkradio.com backslash PWP Radio. I myself, as well as you, as I mentioned, we are coworkers, both work for companies here in the Northeast Ohio and Tri-State area, upper Tri-State area as well, and Real Action Pro Wrestling as well as Black Diamond Wrestling up here. Uh, anything else you want to uh, anything else you want to touch on real quick here? Toss a couple plugs out. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm gonna pop this can of uh, root beer open and start chugging on it in a minute. The other thing that I did want to do is I wanted to wish uh, my usual co-host Tony and Sarah well. He's out out of town this particular night. He will return pending that he is in Vegas and what happens there usually stays there and he might end up staying there. Who knows? But let's get into quick hits. Vegas doesn't need that. Uh, Vegas doesn't deserve that. <laughs> I don't know what it's Vegas. All right, we already touched on the Cena Lesnar video package, so there's no need to touch on that again. Uh, Adam Rose and the Oculus Mirror. I thought it was uh, dumb. Obviously, I thought it was two minutes. I'll never get back. Obviously, the point of it was just to make sure everybody knows that the film's getting ready to come out to DVD here, and it's another way for them to try to make money off of the network studio's of, uh, effort. Have you watched any of the WWE Studios films? I try not to. <laughs> Same here. I don't think I've caught one yet. 
All right, uh, Rusev and Sin Cara, and more specifically, the televised aftermath, because the match itself never made television. Yeah, what, what was that? Come back from commercials, and the match is already over. I hated when WCW did that. Now they're transferring it over to this. What crap is that? But the tape oh, how are you not going to... How are you going to not televise a squash match? Come on. I'm trying to watch Sin Cara go in there and botch something up, and you guys are taking it off TV. Well, it's it's the new Sin Cara. It's Sin Hunico now, so he's not quite as boxy as the original was. I don't care. I want to see him fall on his head or something, and you guys are just taking that away from me. This is supposed to be sports entertainment. Entertain me. <laughs> because all that happened next yeah, was, you know, the the whole segment with Swagger and Rusev that I called three weeks before it happened, just so we all know that. Jimmy Christopher called the real Americans going face against Rusev. But... And then, you know, they come out and they do the same jokes over and over. I'm getting so tired of Zeb Coulter's, well, listen here, Natasha, you and your dancing bear. And I'm like, well, you know, you said that, you know, for the last three weeks. Say something funny. Would it kill him? Would it kill him to call Rusev Boris? To those of us that actually watched Rocky and Bullwinkle, we'd get that reference. It's a Rocky I and get that reference. I know what Rocky and Bullwinkle is. I know what that is. It's just that he's never called it so much now. Nah. I just, I don't know. I just want something a little fresher. You know, and Uh, I understand that it's kind of a, it's a a sensitive topic to discuss anything about USA-Russian communication or, you know, interaction right now. And that's almost why I was, yeah, definitely something very, touchy that you don't want to put on display for the whole world to see and what is WWE doing? They're putting it on display for the whole world to see and man this is this is almost one of their you know rare misses where I think they should have just had a bigger blow off match instead of carrying it over to SummerSlam just because the PR is bad for this you know they already did a whole stint where Lana had made a reference to, or supposedly made a reference to the shot down jet that happened the week before the Raw that she did her promo. And the next week she didn't say anything. And I just think that maybe, Uh, you know, either pull back her promos a little bit and don't let her talk as much or do something different. And then tonight they were like, well, let's do something different. And she sang happy birthday in Russian to Obama. And it was like, oh. It's it's depressingly boring. It, they they could have done anything, and they made her sing happy birthday. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being picky. I just thought it was a waste of time. And you know, if you're gonna show anything, let me watch Sinuniko Kara get his face kicked in or whatever. Put the accolade on him. Tap out. Call it a night. Swagger and Coulter come out. Talk about USA. Wave their flag. Talk about the stars and bars and go home. But it just, it seems like they're trying to drag it out a little too much for me at this point. And I was really excited about this gimmick and this whole storyline because I thought it pretty much wrote itself. And they're just digging it a hole. Do you think it's possible that they're having to slow things down the progress because of the fact that the actual tensions internationally have heated up between the USA and Russia? Like Absolutely. that's the reason that it's not quite as 
odd of an angle as it was when it started. I'm completely with you there. Uh, we move on yeah. to the number one contender for the internet. Inter- wow. The inter- yeah, Zack Ryder's title. No, the number one contender to the Intercontinental title as Dolph Ziggler faced Cesaro. Is is that what that was? It wasn't for the number one contendership. It was the number one contender taking on Cesaro. Miz and Ziggler at SummerSlam. So that was actually a number one contender's match, or it was just because Ziggler was the number one contender? It was just because Ziggler was the number one contender with Miz out there okay. outside doing commentary. Ziggler's number one contendership was not on the line. I was about to say, because I completely whiffed on reading that, but... uh no, I Cesaro and Ziggler are two phenomenal workers and the match went about three minutes tops, roughly, and then the Miz talked. And then they did the whole don't touch my face thing and man, I don't know, tonight was just boring for me, Harry. I'll tell you what, I I know that I'm probably sounding all depressed and dreary. I just I was just so bored by tonight's show incredibly bored by it. We'll get more into the overall reaction from the show in the final reaction, but uh, the last thing to touch on on okay. quick hits here is the Dust Brothers, the Dust Brothers against Red Axel. Copy and paste. Another three-minute match. Basically nothing that, we haven't seen yeah. before. No, I would have liked another promo. It was a three-minute match. It didn't need to happen. They could have put them out there for three minutes on another crazy promo where Cody you know, blows the stars in the gold dust throw, and it's hilarious. I love their promos. I think they're nutty. I think, you know, I think what they did with this is they all sat down at dinner one day with their father, and Cody said, I bet you I can get that gimmick over more than you and make it weirder. And Dustin said, oh, I bet you can't, and that's how it started. And now it's just a battle to see who can be more bizarre. I thought it originally or. I thought it originally started as Vince decided to let them drop acid and see what happened. Yeah, I don't I don't know about all that, but like I said, it's just I love the gimmick. I do. I think they're incredibly bizarre, but I think they could do something weirder. Something weirder in the ring, I guess. Like I was expecting them to do something like ah, like just through the roof ridiculous like and they didn't they didn't do anything bizarre. They didn't do anything to look for the cosmic key. And it was just like, come on, do something. You're dressed like a clown. And well, least, you know, throw a pie. God. <laughs> well, the thing is, is this is their first match back on Raw Wrestling in probably about six weeks. Was that, so, uh, that was live in Cleveland, right? Um, I The debut of Stardust? I couldn't tell you when the last time they were live was. I think they had another match on Raw, like the night after Battleground, and then that was about it. I know the debut of Stardust was in Cleveland, because I was live at that show, enjoying that thoroughly. And me and who I was with were just dumbfounded that Cody had come out in this Stardust gimmick. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Harry, I almost wet myself from laughing. But I thought, you know, I thought I think the gimmick is fantastic. I love that they're doing the whole, now Cody is the bizarre one and Goldust is the normal one, and they're just kind of, they're playing it up. And they're doing a great job of doing it. And then they get in the ring, and they just didn't do anything, like, over the top for me tonight. 
and that's fine. You know, you don't have to go out there and do something ridiculous every night. But with what they're doing, it's almost expected, I think, and that's what disappointed me. There. Um, do you like the way that Cody's changed his moves to completely with a new character? I think it proves that he he's as versatile a wrestler as they come. I mean, he's done so many odd jobs. He did the porn stash, and he did the <laughs> road scholars, and he did the ravishing Cody Rhodes, and he's done, dashing. you know, everything. In, he's done everything in between dashing. I'm sorry, not ravishing. Man, I'm getting old, Harry. But uh, <laughs> we had a recurring moment here. It's cool. Yes, yeah, I'm so glad that you knew who I was talking about. I, I kind of figured you would. But no, dashing Cody Rhodes, and it just—I think it goes to show how versatile and how skilled he really is, because now he's doing this almost second gold dust, but it's not gold dust. It's even more bizarre. It's even weirder. It's even more over the top, and he knows it, and he just runs with it. He's taken—he's taken the ball, and he's just running with it, and there's no stopping him. And I can't wait to see what he does next every week. Me and the missus look forward to his promos, I think, the most. She loves it. I love it. And it's just so over the top. It's perfect. And I think, like you said, with his moveset being completely changed up, I think that it just goes to show how versatile he is. All right, that'll do it for quick hits here this evening. Uh, let's, what do you say we hit? Let's talk about Raw number two here. And we're going to talk Absolutely. about the Beat the Clock Challenges here. It's oh, time for the Beat okay. the Clock Challenges. With our first, our first Beat the Clock Challenge match was Alberto Del Rio against Dean Ambrose. Your thoughts on the match? I thought the match was good. I thought they gave them ample time to do what they wanted. I thought it was enjoyable. Uh, they didn't do anything dangerous, I guess, is something else I could say about it. It was a fun match. It was interesting. It was very high tension match. It made you want to watch because you know, all matches with the beat the clock challenge, you know, you want them, you want to see how quickly the match ends. You want to see where the clock lands. And it's always kind of exciting to see those, but man, Harry, I've got so many problems with that beat the clock challenge tonight. And you and I already discussed them, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself here on the show. And I'll get to it after we talk about the second match. See, actually one of the problems ties into the question that I was going to ask here. Do you think okay. they kind of telegraphed something was going to happen later in the show when Del Rio and Ambrose went almost 16 minutes? Yes. Um, yes, totally yes. The problem with a beat-the-clock challenge is it's supposed to not only surprise you with who wins but how quickly they win. This, The way they set it up tonight almost indicated that Ambrose and Rollins were already going to win their matches because they were just said, whoever wins their match faster, that almost suggests the match is already over and you just have to watch the clock, which is a very... Uh, it, anyone with half a brain can notice that. You know, I just... I looked at it and I said, why are they doing this? It's, you know, it already tells people that Rollins and Ambrose are both going to win their matches, which, spoiler alert, they didn't. And I just felt like it, it almost destroyed itself. It took away from the pizzazz of the beat the clock. All right, that ties into my next question about this match here, specifically Ambrose and Del Rio here. Do you think it was the right move putting Ambrose and Del Rio one first? 
No. No, in a beat-the-clock challenge, nine times out of ten at least, I think you put the heel uh, contenders match first because you want the people to be in suspense for when the face is in the ring. Now, obviously, they made it work with Rollins losing his match to Heath Slater, of all people, but it still it takes away from the matches in themselves. Like, you, you watch it and you say, well, you know, they already kind of hinted at Ambrose winning this match, now we just have to stay along. It goes, oh, it went 15 minutes. Are they really going to have enough time for Rollins and RVD to go 15 minutes and, you know, put RVD over or put Rollins over and then RVD doesn't even take part in the match and he Slater takes part, Ambrose runs the distraction and Slater picks up the win. And... It was just very anticlimactic, I think. It's one of those things where someone like me, I knew how the finish was going to be, and I even told you that they were going to have Rollins lose. And it just it takes away from it. It takes away from the beat-the-clock aspect. It should have just been, a, I think, maybe something different. I don't know how they could have decided who decided the stipulation maybe have a coin flip, maybe do do something different where they meet face-to-face in the ring, and now it's like, oh, well, the tension's there because they're see it. they're right next to each other, but they can't hurt each other, and now one of them is getting an obvious advantage over the other one, and there it is, and it's exciting, and it's tense, and then you take that all away, and it's just drawn out. And it, is, it seems like something that this show was very good at, and it was drawing things out, and... Like I said, I'll get to that at the end. All right, let's actually move on to the uh, to the Wallens and Van Dam <clears throat> Slater match. Um, your thoughts on them pulling Van Dam out at the last minute? I I'll admit that I didn't expect it. I thought that they were going to do something much different, and I knew that Rollins was probably going to lose, but I didn't expect them to pull RVD out although I'm not complaining because I don't like RVD anyway personally. But it's just, I don't know. If anything, it helps Heath Slater, I guess, is the one thing I I can take from this. Heath Slater is on the rise. Ever since he lost his posse, he's been on the rise, I guess. And, you know, the IC Battleground uh, Battle Royal, he was in the final five, and he eliminated Cesaro, and... Heath Slater tonight gets to take part in the main event and it's just really weird to see him there I guess the only thing I have to complain about is he should change his uh, entrance name from Three Man Band because his buddies got fired <laughs> yeah I heard the word Three Man Band and I'm like um no you're not that actually does bring me to my next question as far as the matches themselves go the matches themselves go here you you kind of already answered it here. Do you think this is the start of bigger and better things for Heath Slater? I hope so. I mean, the guy's got a great look. He can obviously work. Uh, they're giving him a little bit of stuff to work with. So maybe, I mean, he's probably not going to win a title anytime soon. But as long as he, you know, continues playing his cards right, doing what he's supposed to in the back, and hopefully, you know, somebody's going to take notice and go, hey, this kid that goes out there, puts on a good show every night, and they start doing something with him. I mean, they've already, you know, taken away any momentum that Cesaro had, so why not throw Heath Slater into the mix somewhere? 
Yeah, basically they've taken Cesaro's push and given it to Slater now. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, after all, as you as you mentioned, Slater being the one that uh, that eliminated Cesaro from the Battle Royal. Um, and Heath Slater's case here with the loss of McIntyre and Jinder Mahal, is that addition by subtraction to him then? Sometimes I guess you can kind of look at it like a... No, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was here is I actually thought out of the three of them that uh, Drew McIntyre was the best worker, but I thought it was pretty clear that Heath Slater was the best gimmick out of the three. Yeah, I think it's just because Slater knows how to run with a gimmick. He knows how to adapt to to something like that. He's been running that three-man band and the one-man band for so long that he's so and adapted to it that he knows exactly what strings to pull, what drum to hit, and he makes it look right without making it look like a waste. But with the uh, subtraction, addition by subtraction thing, rather, uh, yeah, I totally agree. It's like you cut the loose ends, you cut away all the dead weight, and suddenly, you know, Slater has a chance to just go out and do him, do him, be himself, do what he needs to do to get over and to get himself some TV time. And I don't have a problem with that at all. It's just part of the business. All right, we we know that they they announced a little bit later on in the show that Ambrose will announce his choice for the stipulation on SmackDown. Obviously, SmackDown tapes tomorrow, so we don't know it. Prediction time. What do you right. think Ambrose chooses? Man, there's so much. But I say it should be another beat the clock challenge. No, God, no. No, 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 no. Um, no, um, I'm imagining it'll be something like a street fighter, uh, falls count anywhere to the point where it's, you know, Amber or Rollins finally can't escape him. You can chase him anywhere and beat him anywhere in the building, even make it, you know, just something super over the top. And that would be great because it's probably the most anticipated match at SummerSlam. I mean, you can argue for Lesnar and Cena, but people... Uh, were just griping and crying and threatening to cancel their network subscription over not being able to see Ambrose and Rollins. And we all know that it's the most anticipated match. It's the one that everybody's been dying to see. They've been clawing at the cage door. And I think maybe even something along the lines of the steel cage where he can't escape him. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh Uh-oh, was that your pick? Did I take your pick? I'm sorry. You did. I was originally going to say false count anywhere, but the more and more I thought about it, with you mentioning the fact that it finally gives Ambrose a chance to put himself in a situation with Rollins where Rollins can't escape, it screams still cage match to me. But yeah, maybe even, only, yeah. the only way that this makes sense to me, the only way that Tell it would make sense to me, pinfall or submission only. Escaping the cage does not count. Uh, yeah, because God knows that those two will just fight all over the arena if that's the case which would be great. I think the fans would love that. You know, SummerSlam, and they're in the cage fighting, and they can only win by a pinfall or submission inside the cage. So they go out in the crowd, and they start fighting for a while, and then they get back in the cage, and they fight for a while, and they go back in the crowd and fight for a while, and then they throw each other through the Spanish announce table. You know, it's just, that's just part of the, the whole story. But, no, I think that would be I wouldn't great. Be, I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't a cage match, if it is, like you said, a Street Fighter or False Canadian War match, if one of the tables eats it during that match. Oh, absolutely. I just I just think it's definitely some sort of match where Rollins will not be able to escape Ambrose. I think they have a 
an amazing blow-off match. I think they finally have that match that everybody's been waiting for. Ambrose gets his hands on him, and it's just, it's a good old slobber knocker, you know. It's just, uh, God bless JR. Speaking of JR, did you happen to notice uh, that beautiful Oklahoma boomer sooner that was out in the night? We'll be getting to that a little bit later in the show. It's part of Harry's oh, man. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, uh, you look a little parched over there. Oh, yeah. You're not might kidding. Time, might, might be time for a second repair. There we go. You want to go ahead and take the lead on this one, or do you want me to? Oh, I'm sorry. Are we doing the second do already? Yep. Alrighty, well, we're going to go right into Jericho and Harper's match. Um, I thought this match was too short. They gave Jericho and Rowan so much time on SmackDown this past week, and Harper is the much better worker. I think you and I have both agreed on that. And just to see them only get about five minutes in the ring on Raw, it's, it's depressing. And then Harper didn't even really lose the match. He lost it by disqualification, and it's. I think it takes away from his skill. I think it takes away from their whole thing, like between he and Rowan. And yes, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Wyatt and Jericho, just one on one, no Harper and Rowan at SummerSlam. But tonight was just. I thought it was really just disappointing. Maybe they could have held it off till next week with the go-home show on Raw before SummerSlam so they can give Harper and Jericho some more time, and that way it's a little bit more suspenseful again because then it's like, oh, well, we're only a week away now from SummerSlam, and if Harper loses this match, then he can't be at Wyatt's side. Give them more time. It's more suspenseful because people, you know, it's just I, I thought that would have been nicer, and that's what really upset me. Uh, I'm going to touch on both of the points that you raised there in regards to the fact that they didn't get a whole lot of time and the fact that the, that uh, Harper lost the way that Harper lost. I think this match should have happened on SmackDown. And the reason I say that is because you could have done the same thing with Jericho and Harper on SmackDown that you did with Jericho and Rowan on SmackDown last week. Give them 15 minutes to tell a story and have a fantastic match. And... I, you're right, we both agree that Harper's a way better worker at this point than Rowan is, especially in singles matches. And Jericho works well with pretty much everybody, so why not give them that chance over an extended period to shine there? Now, as far as your thought about the fact that the loss by disqualification hurts Harper's character a little bit, I have to disagree, and here's why. They're protecting Harper by not having him eat the pinfall loss in this match. Whereas... That's a sign that they actually view Harper as the better commodity of the two, where, because despite the attempted interference on SmackDown, Rowan still ate the pinfall loss. Tonight, the interference got the better of Jericho on Raw, and Harper didn't have to eat the pinfall loss, even though he did take a disqualification loss when Bray Wyatt himself got involved. And then I'm going to raise another question for you here, because you notice in the promo that Bray cut a little bit later on in the show, Bray was very nonchalant about the fact that Harper and Rowan aren't allowed to be at ringside for his match with Jericho at SummerSlam. Do you think it's possible that we might see the beginning of the fourth member of the Wyatt family at SummerSlam? 
a fourth member of the Wyatt family would be incredibly interesting, but in my opinion, unneeded. I think that maybe this promo adds more to Wyatt's character again. He has been on sort of a decline after his storyline with Cena. His his momentum was taken away, and I think this promo kind of builds it back up a little bit and goes, I'm not afraid of you. You know, I'm not afraid to be alone out there with you. I'm Bray Wyatt. I am the patriarch for a reason. And, you know, follow the buzzards, all that. I just think it adds more to the storyline because now he's coming out and saying, hey, you know, I'm still the patriarch. I'm Bray Wyatt. I'm the one that has tortured you the past or since you've come back. And I'm not afraid to do the dirty work myself and teach you you know, some respect for me. And that's what I got from that. That's a fair assessment. I just, I figured his nonchalantness towards the fact that Harper and Rowan weren't going to be at ringside, it just kind of made me think that perhaps there's another member of the Wyatt family in the works. But the only thing that I would question there is who down in NXT would fit the bill, and I can't honestly think of anybody down there that immediately would fit the bill for the Wyatt family. No, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Raw Reaction, everybody. He's Jimmy Christopher. I'm Harry Broadhurst. You are listening to the Raw Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. Um, I understand that you spoke to our sound guy and made a special request for our for our musical interlude. I did. I'm a big fan of uh, Breaking Benjamin. I asked for a little bit of that if he had it, and hopefully he's able to comply. Make sure you 
and we are back here in the Raw Reaction. I am once again Harry Broders. Jimmy Christopher, are you still with me, sir? As far as I know. <laughs> Sounds like it to me. Yay! It's time. It's time for Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here Harry's hit. That is still one of my favorite movies. How do you get intro music? Man, who have I got a kiss up to around here to get some entrance music? <laughs> That's it. I'm calling Tony. Tony. Gets, Tony gets pop tops. Man, I'm going to have to find some, like, away with his Mountain Dew obsession. I'm going to have to, like, send some amazing pics of AJ to Tony so I can start kissing up to him and getting some pro- some some perks on this show or something, man. <laughs> um, Actually, hold on one second before we get into Harry's hit. i got to check on something real quick. We actually have a uh, caller in queue. Oh, my goodness. Is it Tony? Making it on air. Can you hear me, Jimmy? I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, I had to step away into the screening area, and that call's not making it on air. Anyways. Oh, we should really plug that information at the beginning of the show. Yeah, well, the thing is, is then you get people like that calling in, and it makes it not worth our time to answer the phone sometimes. Believe me. Oh, was it somebody? Oh, it was one of those. Trying to mention... Yeah, trying to mention about the size of a certain member of somebody's genitalia regions or whatever. Anyways, let's get back into Harry's case here, shall we? I will have you know that I am very proportional. (laughs) Anyways, back into Harry's case here. All right, uh, I got four words for you. Damien Sandow, heat magnet. Man, I love that dude. He's a favorite here at the reaction, and honestly, I find myself talking about him a lot on the reaction, especially in the uh, in the uh, Harry Hicks segment here, because well, honestly, his stuff isn't nearly the focus enough of the show there. But tonight, Damian Sandow played the Oklahoma Sooner at the University of Texas card, and it went over fantastically. To working the internet crowd by coming out to Jr.'s music, as you mentioned. Yes. And then the sheer amount of heat that he was drawing from the University of Texas at Austin. They never officially announced that they're in Austin, Texas, but the actual location for the University of Texas is at Austin, and that's the, they were on the main campus tonight. Yeah. No, I and know they, didn't, the they, they mentioned, didn't drop that, but... Right, they mentioned that they were at the university, but go on, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. And then you had the University of Texas's own Mark Henry coming out and... Well, we found out what Mark Henry's favorite vegetable was. Squash. Uh-huh. Give me that squash. Because At least I got to watch exactly that squash happened. match. Exactly. <laughs> one, one for two, I guess it's Damn okay. Damn it, Jimmy. Stop me mid-thought because I started laughing. Anyways. But 
the thing was, is to me, is this is a sign of everything that Damian Sandow could be. And he could be having the longer matches that he was having before as your intellectual savior. You can still do this kind of stupid crap with him where he's dressing up in different get-ups everywhere and stuff. But he can still put on matches and stuff that people will care about, especially if you have a thing like you have tonight where he's got the Red River rivalry, or the Red River shootout, as it's also known as. And he has Correct. the crowd on Mark Henry's side because this is the first time we've seen Henry on TV in months. Yeah, I thought that he's gone away for a while, but I was pleasantly surprised to see him return to the ring, even if it was only for two minutes. You know, it's, it's, he he came out, he did his thing, he kind of did the hometown gimmick, and it was it was worth it. Do you think this is the beginning of one, one more full-time run for Henry before he rides off into the sunset, or do you think this was just kind of a one-off to give to give the hometown fans a treat? Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, Option B on that one, Harry. In these types of situations, Damian Sandow has become the heat magnet squash bug of the WWE universe. He's the man that they can throw out there in any anti-hometown uniform and get the heat that they want to put over whatever face they want to throw out there. Like, for instance, as ironic as this is, the live show in Cleveland at Raw I was at, he comes out for the Battle Royal to see who would get that last spot in the uh, Money in the Bank match that Roman Reigns eventually won. But he comes out in the Cleveland or the Miami Heat Braun James jersey. And, man, he got all sorts of heat for that one. He was the first man thrown out of the uh, Battle Royal, and every fan there was up on their feet cheering, excited. But it, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word on the way to the ring. He just comes out throws his hands in the air and goes, look, I'm wearing LeBron James' heat jersey in Cleveland. They all, you know, he got a lot of hate. He got a little bit of love because, let's face it, LeBron James is the most posterized athlete in the world right now. But Damien Santa knows what he's doing, and I'm hoping that it's his ideas and not just creative. I'm wanting so badly to, to know that Sandow is the one coming out there and going, this was my idea to come out here and piss you all off with this gimmick this week because it's something different every week. It's not the same thing over and over, which I appreciate more about him. And the, that's the only kind of drawing point to the, the current Sandow character is that you don't know what he's going to do next. And it helps him in that regard, but at the same time... I think he needs to find. I think he needs to find a steady persona that the fans can get behind in order to uh, in order to start his ascension back up the card. And if there's I anybody agree. that deserves to be reascended, it's Damian Sandow. Yeah, after all the flack he has taken over the past eight months, I completely agree. So, anywho, we continue here on the raw reaction. Hold on, I gotta get back to the. I gotta get back to the soundboard. Trying to post a link here in the downtime there, but I didn't get a chance to. I'll get to that in a second here. Oh, you think mine is bad? Nobody really knows this, but Tony Acero. The softest lips, and sometimes at night we spoon. Oh, Tony, we miss you, buddy. As far as you getting your own soundbite, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Oh, I can't wait until we make that a full-time gimmick where I just come in here every week and talk about what I hate about Raw this week. And I could say the whole show, but I'll save that for the uh, the big climax at the end of this show. 
that could be your soundbite. You could be our. That should be my. That I, I should be because he was one of my favorite workers before he was tragically hurt with, uh, with the shoulder injury. And, you know, if he listens to the show, I hope you make a speedy recovery and come back so you can continue to grace us with your bad news. Yes. If ever there was a sign of bad news being good news, it was his. Moving on here on the Raw Reaction, it's time for your third and final review of the evening. Okay, well, I don't know if it'll be your final one, but it'll be your final one of this broadcast. That's fine with me. on top of the pop. See, we completely disagree. Uh, I think it's the best part. Well, how is that the best part? It's not even like the drink. It's this crap it's, foam that sits on top and sugar. keeps you from getting... It keeps you from getting to the drink. It's the sugar. It's the sugar coming up to the top. Harry, the only thing dumber than this current argument is what we're seeing on Raw tonight with Dancing Hornswoggle. <laughs> and we call that a segue. Nicely done. Oh, yeah, I'm clever once in a while. You know, if there was ever some bad news to talk about, it's that Hornswoggle came out in a leotard and I danced around with Fandango. Uh, uh, I don't know if that was bad news. I think there's a better sound effect that fits that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Really? 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 Man, that that really is the best one for this. Just why? Why? There there are so many other divas you could just pick from to put out there. There wasn't even a divas match tonight. Put someone out there. Hell, put Natty out there. The last time we saw her, she jobbed out to Paige and AJ in a tag team match with Emma. Put somebody out there with him. No, Hornswoggle comes out. And maybe it was just because of his and Torito's past, which they didn't uh, talk about or even emphasize in the least bit. And then at the end of the match, you know, oh, Hornswoggle or Fandango gets pinned by Diego, and then Hornswoggle is, how did you you put it, Harry, midget abused? Was that how you termed it? Yes, or if we're going to be politically correct, short person attacked. All, all I know is you use the word <laughs> abuse. You, I remember the terms midget abuse is how you described it, and then he got to dance with Layla. Well, that's uh, he, he gets the worst of it, actually. He was only holding hands with Samurai. El Torito was, like, grinding up against Layla. Where does somebody sign up for that? I... I... I don't even know. I can't begin to understand what happened during that match. I think the less I think the less we try to think about what happened for the match, whenever they were thinking about going through the parade of process that match, the better for our humanities. Yeah, it's it's easier just to say, "Oh, look, something happened." Moving on. Um. Okay, let's think about all the women on the roster that aren't doing anything right now. Your Cameron, all of them. Cameron, the Marie. If you're going to talk about Stephanie versus Bree, that's not even a real divas match. That's that's a plot match. 
It's not clever. We'll get to that. It's not going to be... Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Oh. Who's left on the roster that you could put with Fandango? I think I the obvious know. answer would be Emma. Oh, the dancing queen? Uh, she could steal his heart. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I tried, and I tried. I know. I that's that's twice you've made that joke tonight, Harry. You're a bad person. I am. And you know what? I'm probably going to make it again next week. You're probably going to. And it's going to be just as bad then as it is now. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are... How this works out. You, you are correct. There are There's so much just... Uh, empty kind of divas walking around. There's nothing going on with them. And you got the one gimmick that we're going to talk about later with Steph and Brie. But I'm just, right now, I just look at it and I go, what's going on in the divas division? I mean, I understand that AJ and Paige are playing off of the whole injury angle this week and she'll be back next week for the blow-off show and that's fine, and the go-home show on Tuesday next week, that's fine. And it's just like there was not enough women's action, I guess, for me tonight. Maybe, I don't know. Normally there's at least one Divas match that I can go, man, you know, at least that happened. Instead they had eight three-minute matches where more squashing happened than wrestling. Yeah, I think the only two matches that really had any kind of a story told to them tonight were Ambrose and Del Rio and then Slater and Rollins. And the story that was told about Slater and Rollins was done more outside of the ring than anything that occurred inside of it other than the pinfall finish. I agree. I'm not saying that Reigns and Kane didn't tell a story either. And it's like like the last time I was on the Raw Reaction here, we talked about which up-and-coming superstars we thought were going to be the guys to look for and it's the Shield guys, just like you, Tony, and I said. It's the Shield guys. It's Rollins. It's Reigns. It's Ambrose. Those are the three that they're pushing out the forefront. Those are the guys that are getting time in their matches. Those are the guys that they want people to see and go, yeah, I want to see that guy wrestle next time, and I want to see that guy wrestle next time. And that's why Ambrose and Rollins are the most anticipated match at Raw, uh, SummerSlam. And while, too, maybe some of the, uh, maybe some of the more general fans... Reigns and Orton as well. Yeah, well, obviously absolutely. Ambrose and Rollins are going to Ambrose and Rollins is going to appear more appeal more to the smart crowd, but to the general fan base that they're trying to reach, the biggest that they probably have right now outside of Cena and Lesnar is Reigns and Orton. Agreed, and it's like we said before; those three guys are the three that they're pushing to the forefront. They're going, you guys are the three guys that they've known about for two years, that they've seen come up and destroy people. Now go out there and put on those five-star matches that we know you can. And that's what they're doing. All right, real quick here, let's talk Raw one last time before we get into the final reaction. The main event segment for the Stephanie for the Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella uh, match at SummerSlam. Your thoughts? Uh, a, was it better than last week's segment? Yes, I thought it was better. B, did it deserve um, to be the main event spot? No. God, no. I think it's only the main event spot because Triple H can put himself out there, to be entirely honest. the whole My whole problem with it was 
You know, Bree has wanted to get a piece of Steffi for so long, and she's built up this long, just anger for a trail of anger. And, you know, she comes to the show, and she pays for a ticket, and she gets her thrown in jail. And finally, now she gets the chance to put her hands on her, and she gets stuck in the corner by Triple H while he holds the table she's sitting at. And she watches her sister eat the pedigree from Steffi. And it was just like, what? What are you doing? And she's like, Nikki! Nikki! And it's like, bitch, do something! Do something! And I just felt like it looked... That's not cool. And and she's just she just stood there and watched. And she and then after that, you know, she slapped Hunter, which is fine. She climbed up on the table and she then she I don't even know what it was supposed to be. Steffi grabbed her up by the hair and bashed her face down into the table and she fell over and then she ate a pedigree and it's like that's it? That's all you had for her after these months of abuse and just utter disrespect that you said you were going to come out and fix and you were going to whoop her because she's a rich bee and then you got she made her look like a chump alright I'm okay with this segment but not this week and I will explain no. my statements here okay. I'm okay with this I'm okay with this segment but if it would have happened next week in the go home for Monday Night Raw Yes. Not as the main yes, event segment, but at the same time, it would have been okay if it had happened, but not on the go-home for Raw, not on this particular episode, but rather build the heat towards the actual match at SummerSlam and let Stephanie get the advantage going into the match at SummerSlam. Yes. Absolutely, because you don't want to make Brie look too strong before the match, because Brie is the actual wrestler. You don't want her to look strong going into it, because then there should be no doubt that she should win. I think this week, I think next week, if they would have made the Steffi Brie segment, the opening segment where they did the contract signing, just right off the bat, there it is, and have them do it right at the beginning of the show, she, you know, she, you know, maybe even gets her hands on her a little bit. Maybe even have Triple H put down Brie before Stephanie gets the uh, gets the pedigree on her. That way, it kind of looks like, well, you know, Triple H is actually backing his wife. Instead, he took the slap and he didn't do anything else. And well, I, I think, think they're kind of made... hesitant. I think the reason that that happened that way is because they're kind of hesitant to broadcast male on female violence. Uh, that's. I mean, are you going to say that and then watch Torito molest Layla tonight? <laughs> that wasn't technically violence. It was disturbing, but it wasn't violence. Ah, technicalities and semantics. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. But no, I think if you lead off the show next week in the go-home show with Bree and stuff, you do the whole thing over... And okay, fine. Leave, even to leave Triple H out of it, maybe have him run a distraction of some sort, like trying to break it up. Like, no, 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 don't fight, don't fight. And then maybe then he takes the slap. He sells away and Bree turns back into Steffi and eats a pedigree. I think it's martyr. And I just think it looks more real. Do you have any interest at all in seeing Bree versus Stephanie at SummerSlam? Mm. Ah. 
Harry, why do you have to ask hard questions I don't have good answers for? Kind of what um, I do around here. Do I want to see it? Sure. But I don't want it to be a very long match. And I'm kind of hoping they use it for an angle for DB to return. That's what I'm hoping. I don't know that he's cleared or going to be ready by then because I don't go on to every wrestling site that I can to read those updates and all the spoilers and the reports on his injuries. But I think it would be interesting because then it could lead to something with Daniel Bryan and Triple H finally having a real one-on-one match, unlike they had at SummerSlam, or WrestleMania, I'm sorry. And it just, I think it has a lot of possibilities, but the angle originated with the way that Stephanie and Triple H had abused Daniel Bryan. And that's when Bree stood up to Stephanie on behalf of her husband. So I would like it to end with at least Daniel Bryan being a part of it. If not, you know, he doesn't have to be the reason she wins, but at least part of it. Because he was there at the beginning, he should be there at the end. Well, you mentioned, we met, we talked about this while the segment was happening. And I actually came up with the idea as, as the crowd was chanting CM Punk there, if there was ever a time to bring Punk back, it would be have Triple H go to get physically involved in this match and have Punk stop him. But you raised the point that it wouldn't make sense for for Punk to intercede here unless it was with AJ. So let me pose the question to you. Was if Triple H tries to physically intimidate Bree at all during SummerSlam, do you, do you think we see Daniel Bryan make the save at SummerSlam in order to kind of even up the odds with Triple H being at ringside for his wife? I would like to see it, but I'm not ex- to see it, I guess, is the best way to describe it. It's something that, as a fan, I think it's a perfect chance for him to come back. He's their, he's one of their biggest names. He's one of their most popular superstars. And if you tell me at SummerSlam that if Triple H put his hands on Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan came through that curtain and absolutely massacred him, that those fans wouldn't be on their che- their feet screaming and cheering at the top of their lungs. I can't say that, but at the same time, you got to question the amount of physicality that Daniel Bryan can undertake at this particular point in his recovery process. I agree, but uh, the angle would not have to do with him taking any punishment. Maybe he downs Triple H and then chases him to the back, and that's it. He, you know, he bumps him a couple times, and he chases him to the back, and now it's just Bree and Stephanie out there all alone, one-on-one, and they can finish what they were doing while the fans got their taste of Daniel Bryan, and they said, oh, man, there he is. Now when's he coming back? Now it becomes a huge deal for them, and you tease Daniel Bryan until he does make a full recovery. Yeah, I think there's a ton of money to be made in the full-time return of Daniel Bryan here. I just I don't think that there's uh, any doubt that there's money to be made here, but the only issue is, is it's going to be a question of how long until the money's there to be made with Bryan's recovery. This is a dude that took down a burglar with a broken neck. Oh, my God, that was great. I read that. When I read that, Harry, I'll tell you what. I was I was in stitches. Uh, apparently, I don't know if you caught this or not, during the press conference, one of the reporters there asked him if it was a B-plus burglar. Oh, no, he didn't. Was it a B-plus burglar, Daniel? I love that's That's terrific. That's the perfect question to ask him. 
Uh, I guess he must have been a B-plus burglar. He got caught by a dude with a broken neck. That's not B-plus. That's like D-plus if he's lucky. Right. I just I don't understand <laughs> that. that. That whole thing. This is a rich neighborhood, and, man, you've got to know who Daniel Bryan is. And to break into his house, yeah, can you imagine this little troll guy with this huge beard and this gorgeous wife popping out of the car as you're trying to steal shit from his house, and then he runs you down and beats you up? Man, that'd be great to watch. And put, and put you in the coquina clutch until the police officers arrive. Oh yeah. Well, didn't the, didn't the report read that he was a? Submission. Yeah, the rear naked choke. Isn't that what they said that he uh, applied on the burglar? Yeah, Joe's finishing move. The oh goodness clutch. gracious! Oh gosh, he should have taken a picture of him and been like, "I'd do it better than Samoa Joe." Man, hashtag heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're actually really good friends going back to their time together in Ring of Honor, but it was just, that right there was the icing on the cake to me when I read that he actually took him down with the uh, real, real, rear naked choke. Man, that's, that's just and unbelievable. On the, and on that positive note, I think it's time we go into the final reaction. Yes. For fans that are new to the show, the final reaction is a chance where we go ahead and let you know our official letter grade for the show, um, our favorite moment, our least favorite moment, and whether or not tonight's episode made us want to watch again next week and if it did an adequate job of building towards the next pay-per-view. Since you're the guest, Jimmy, I'll let you go ahead and go first. Uh, your letter grade for tonight's episode of Raw. I'm going to give it a C-. minus. Okay, your favorite moment on the show. My favorite moment on the show. Oh, my goodness. I don't recall having one, to be entirely honest. I guess if I had to pick one, shoot. I mean, the opening was great. I did enjoy, you know, how they set that up. I do not like that Kane handed his his mask back in, but the whole opening, I still have a ton of respect for Kane. His, at his age, being able to keep up with people like Roman and put on good matches, especially a last-man-standing match, and it's not his fault that the ref botched up that spot. But So, I mean, I guess the opening match was probably my favorite of the night. All right, your least favorite moment of the evening. Well, as a referee, I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, Kyoto, since she doesn't know how to count a guy in a last-man-standing while he's laying on his back. Uh, that was a little embarrassing. And your overall thoughts on the show itself? My overall, excuse me? Like your overall thoughts on the show. Like why you gave it a C-. Oh, I just felt like, once again, everything was drawn out for what they had. And what they did put out there that I was interested in lasted about three minutes. Every single match seemed to be three minutes, except, of course, for Reigns, Ambrose, and Rollins matches. And I just felt like... If you're going to do that, you know, make those matches story-based or at least give them more. Not to mention, you know, you had a match that, you know, ended off of TV. But if you have the WWE app, it's okay. And if you don't have the network yet, you just go ahead and order that for nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, but that's, that's my whole thing. Did tonight's show do anything to make you either decide against watching SummerSlam or for watching SummerSlam? I'm still going to watch SummerSlam regardless of tonight. 
Um, I thought that tonight was, once again, underplayed. I thought everything, uh, the vulgarity I didn't like. But I'm not going to not watch SummerSlam because of tonight. I mean, that's just there's just no way that could happen. That's fair enough. All right, I'll go what ahead and about give my you, What's your, uh, go ahead and give him your letter grade there, Harry. I'm actually right there with you, except I'm going to go slightly higher. I'm going to say a C even. Okay, favorite moment of the night? Ambrose Del Rio. I thought it was a mess that made both men look strong, top to bottom. It was very well worked. There was nothing obviously blown. And the fact that they even worked in the psychology of Ambrose trying twice with his good hand to hit dirty deeds and not being able to, so he switched up to his off hand for dirty deeds for the finish. I thought that was really a nice touch. All right, and go ahead with your least favorite moment of this evening. It almost has to be that Fandango Diego skit. Oh there's no! No reason to have something. There's no reason to have something that intelligence insulting on television. Okay, and your overall perspective of tonight? Um, the reason I gave the show a C is because, realistically speaking, we got a couple more matches announced, but we really didn't get anywhere in the road to SummerSlam. The only thing that we established is that Dean Ambrose is going to announce on SmackDown what the stipulation for his match with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam is going to be. That's something that should have been done tonight on Raw, because you can build up that entire prospect there of having not only the Beat the Clock Challenge, but also Ambrose's announcement there by wiping out a couple of the undercard things that didn't need to happen. Move Fandango and all them to main event. That was the other one that I couldn't think of. Move the stuff that happened with, like, uh, Ziggler and... Cesaro, move that match to SmackDown and give them some time because, as you said, those are two men that people want to see in action and two men that, given the amount of time that they would get on an episode of SmackDown compared to what they would have had tonight on Raw, would have been a much better match than it was during Raw tonight. So the timing issues hurt the show, and the fact that we only got, realistically speaking, two full-length matches in Kane and Brains and, and Ambrose and Del Rio because Seth Rollins and Keith Slater only won about five or six minutes itself. I just, I don't think we got enough, I don't think we had enough in-ring action tonight compared to all the stuff, the ridiculous stuff that we saw in the ring and then the uh, the sheer amount of absurdity that we saw in some of the backstage segments as well. You and I are on the same page there, Harry. I completely agree with you. And let's go ahead and ask you, uh, does this show deter you or excite you for SummerSlam? Um... For Jericho White, I'm actually looking more forward to that match than I was going in. Because I think without the prospect of having Harper and Rowan there to run interference, it'll be more about what the story that these two guys can tell in the ring. And I've been a huge proponent of both of these gentlemen forever. People who've listened to the reaction for a while now know that Jericho's my favorite wrestler. I've not exactly made that a secret. And I said before going into this feud that I thought that the mic work would stand out between the two of them. And Bray's mic work tonight, while I think he was teasing maybe another member of the Wyatt family forthcoming as well, also did what you do in reestablishing him as a guy that's a centerpiece for a family and not somebody who's reliant on his family to help him get to the places that he needs to get to. Um, and a couple of the other segments for tonight's Raw, it actually turned me away towards SummerSlam. But as you mentioned, I'm still going to watch because it's the biggest pay-per-view of the summer. And the card for the pay-per-view, despite the fact that a couple of the matches could be overbooked to all hell and back, 
still looks really good. You are correct, sir. I appreciate that opinion. One thing, and I'm, I should have brought it up earlier, where have the Usos been? Do we know? Is, is one of them injured, or are they just kind of writing them off currently? I think that they're doing promotional work this week, because they were around last uh, week. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, they were in that six-man last week, and I just noticed they weren't on Raw this week, and I was wondering if maybe one of them was hurt, or if they're just not working the tag team titles into the SummerSlam picture at all, which I don't think they are, unless you're going to do something on the pre-show. I heard talk of a 14 tag match at SummerSlam for the belts, but there's been no official confirmation of that. Okay, I'll have to keep my eye out for that. Uh, anything else you want to touch on here real quick? Uh, no, I should be great. All right, he's independent referee Jimmy Christopher. I'm Harry Broadhurst. For our my usual partner, Tony Acero, who, as I mentioned, isn't here tonight. Before I get out of here, I want to do, do take one quick second here and wish my friend Mia a very happy birthday today. And... That'll do it for this week's episode of The Raw Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. We'll see you next Monday, August 11th, for the next edition of The Raw Reaction. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Presentation of Powerhouse Radio. www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Join us tomorrow for the farewell edition of the Greg DeMarco Show. <laughs>